year, my thesis question is whether psychology aids in the study of faith. My thesis question this year is whether truly good art can be created by immoral people. This year I am writing on whether God knows possibilities as well as actualities. This year my thesis is whether it is morally permissible to contain animals for human entertainment. Hello everyone, welcome to The Outpost, Liberal Arts in the Last Frontier. I'm your host, Kayleen Morris, and against all odds, we are managing to bring you a second season of the podcast. This season is all about thesis, the capstone project of our juniors and seniors who spend their spring semesters researching, writing, and publicly defending a paper on a philosophical or theological question. What we're most excited about this season is that you get to hear from our students themselves. Thesis is the time when students are able to really show off the depth of thought they've developed over the years, as well as the art of conversation. We're really excited to invite you into that. But for our first episode, we thought we'd start out by explaining what thesis is and why we do it. Thanks for listening, enjoy the podcast, and visit us at patreon.com slash theoutpostak. Okay, so we are here with three illustrious upper school faculty to talk about our thesis project, um, thesis paper, which takes up pretty much most of the spring semester for our juniors and seniors. They spend several months working on this, and then it really brings a fun and exciting just season of life to our school. So things looked a little bit different this year because it was all online, uh, but we're excited to get together to talk a little bit about what we do with thesis and what it looks like. So I'm joined by, these will be familiar voices, Mr. Hodgson, Mr. Welsh, and Mr. Murray. Thank you guys for being here. Great to be back. Uh, yeah, I'm really, really glad to be back in the podcast. Yeah, a lot of fun. I'm happy to be back for my third time, although one of them no one has ever or will ever hear. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have to talk about that. Okay, so we'll start with just kind of the general principle behind the thesis paper and the thesis project. Why do we do it? And what did we have in mind when we instituted this project? How does it help us meet our end goals for our students, especially those who are preparing to graduate and be sent off into the world? So the, uh, the history of the thesis, and I, and I don't know all of the details, but sometime around, I believe, maybe 18, roughly, years ago, we, we began uh, this thesis project. It really fits in to our program as kind of capstone, to the culmination of all the, all the years of work in our high school, especially the senior thesis. And so, you know, if you think of what the students are doing uh, during those four years, we, so if you think of the, the, um, the sort of fusion of the seminar and the theology classes especially, but really all the classes, the students are spending lots and lots of time going through in, in seminar, going through the history of ideas, and times and places so you know in ninth grade the ancients in 10th grade the medievals and then moderns in america after and and discussing okay what are these people thinking what are they doing why are they doing it all those kind of questions you know in big picture questions and then just you know more granular things as well and then they're doing this in their theology classes too they're studying scripture in ninth grade they're moving on to church history and then morality and apologetics again sort of a similar path of development What's happening? Why? And how do we how do we understand the scriptures, the, the church's history, and then the teachings, and how do we apply them to our lives? And so, in all those classes, they're having lots and lots of discussions, talking about amongst themselves with the teacher, sort of guiding the conversation. All right, we know what's going on here. Generally, this uh, these sort of sort of discussions are, if you think of okay, what, what's the point of the discussions? What they're trying to do ultimately, and this is sometimes not not visible to the students in the moment. What they're trying to do ultimately is 
get to the principles of whatever it is that they're talking about. So whether it's philosophy or theology, they're trying to discover these things, uncover them, unearth them. You know, it, it takes effort. It takes um, it takes disagreement. It takes a lot of a lot of reflection and hard work. And so over time, you know, they get better and better at it. Once they have the principles, once you sort of uncovered them and dug them out through the discussions, and you can see, okay, these are true. We understand them now. You start applying them to your own life. You start applying them, say, to culture broadly. You have to apply them to new situations. There's always going to be some sort of new puzzles that are coming up, things that people haven't maybe encountered before. And so that's where a lot of a lot of the real work is, you know, especially as they as they go on beyond, you know, their high school or career otherwise. So this the thesis is sort of one that we sort of a formal opportunity for them to do that. They have to come up with a question that's something that is not sort of obviously answered by the church or, you know, the great theologians or great philosophers, something that's interesting, compelling, but not, the answer is not obvious. And they have to use a lot of those principles, do some research, read some of the, uh, read some of the, the greats to, uh, to figure out, okay, what's true here? In doing this, it's a, it's a great exercise in not just saying that you understand the thing, but really showing it, really sort of crystallizing all of those ideas, putting them down on paper and putting everything together. And they, you know, they have to work through the arguments carefully and make sure everything lines up. It's not just a sort of, well, I think this is right, but just, you know, what's the best argument you can make? How are you going to be able to answer the arguments that, of the people who might disagree? In the creation of the thesis, you know, they're, they're not just, it's not just a, a work of independent thinking. There is independent thinking, but it, they are thinking sort of along with, you know, many of the you know, philosophers, the theologians, so it's not something that's veering off to the side. It's not something that's just, however, a restatement that people have said either. It's really thinking alongside the, the grades. Of course, it's not just a paper. They're also defending it. Uh, the seniors have a panel who, who tests them and see, well, how, how well do you really understand what you're seeing? Or can you, you know, do, you, do you have it so you know, well enough embedded in your, in your mind that you can explain the ideas in the moment? Because, you know, again, if you think about, okay, what's, what is the... What are the, some of the, the fruits of the intellectual life? Well, you're going to be able to explain to people people need others to the truth. That's sort of the goal. It's not just enough to sort of hold on to it. And you have to be, you know, be very aware that even if you have very tightly created arguments, other people might disagree with you. And, and you're, if, in order to convince them, you might have to overcome some of their arguments. So that's sort of the point of the defense is to see how well do you know it and also show you know, that you can lead others to the truth. And you know, I think in the end, you know, when, when students, um, or well, if you think of the beginning, when students begin the project, it can seem a little daunting. I, uh, I didn't go through this in high school myself, but I can imagine. And I've certainly, you know, advised a number of theses, and you, you definitely see it sometimes. There's a, there's a real, like, oh, there's a fear. There's a, um, it, can, it can seem a little scary. However, it is something that, you know, all the students who go through it, they become very proud, I think, of, of their work. And you can really see that, especially after the defenses, everybody's so happy. And, they really, they really grow and learn a lot from it. Yeah, and I think that the rhetorical aspect of the defense is really something that is sort of a defining feature of the thesis and really helps our students shine because that's a kind of skill that, I don't know, I feel like is less commonly taught. And so, and you really see, I mean, I don't want to say anybody can write a good thesis paper because not everybody can, but when you add that pre kind of the pressure of the public defense, it really forces you to, like you said, be so um, fluent with the ideas and the things that you've thought through. And it really comes through in the defense. And I think it's the moment of truth for a lot of students. Like, yes, I really understand this and I'm able to speak clearly and articulately about it. 
And it's so cool and rewarding as teachers to see that. You know, I think over the years, we've all seen some students who are like downright professorial in their demeanor, in their defense. And it's amazing to see 17 and 18 year olds do that and to see them rise to that occasion. So that's something I love about the thesis in general. Yeah, and something that this is touching on that I agree with a lot as well is it would be really easy for someone who doesn't really understand thesis fully to sit down, watch one, and think, that person has to get a bad grade, I disagree with them. Like, or something like that, where it's like, they, we have to grade them poorly because they're wrong. Uh, and I think the beauty of thesis is it's really not like that. Um, it has a lot more to do with how you've argued the thing, not just that you've made like a, a beautiful, you know, like sounding argument, but really that you've put a lot of thought into and you have good reasons for what you're claiming, even if ultimately like not every person might agree with you there. It, that's not where it comes from. Really, it involves with how much you've really uh, treated with the material, how much you've thought about these concepts and how well you can argue them that they are in fact the case. Yeah, thanks for that. So we have a basic idea of what it is that we're trying to accomplish by the thesis paper, which is an exercise in deep engagement with great thinkers, deep personal thought about a un relatively unresolved question, and then um, a public defense of those ideas and those arguments. Um, Mr. Murray, tell us just about how does that all come together? What's the process like? What's the final outcome? So it is a very long process for everyone involved, but it's really amazing to see the products that come out on the other side. So the first thing to understand about the thesis and the questions they're asking is that they're always philosophical or theological questions. They are questions that have principles that you can get down to and uh, understand and explain. The uh, first thing, though, is, of course, we have to get everyone to sit down and to think about their ideas, to think about what questions do we want to ask. So we, uh, very early on in the year, about in the middle of the first semester, we start talking to the juniors and seniors about what are things that, are interest, that you're interested in. And so then what happens next once they have their list of questions? So then they uh, submit them to the teachers, us as a faculty, we sit down and we say, you know what, this question is very strong. We think that there's a lot of uh, depth to it that we think that they could dig into. So we, they give us an option of four or five questions that they're interested in and we help them decide which one we think is going to be the strongest. Uh, at that same meeting, we oftentimes give them, we always give them a advisor to help guide them, someone who has some expertise in the area. But then after that, we, make a big announcement, we tell the students what their theses are. Uh, quite often we'll put up a list in the hall that has the, uh, the student's name, their question, and the advisors. It's always a big, uh, it's always exciting to walk into the halls and see all the students cluttered around trying to see what questions people are asking or who their advisors are. And that's just really an exciting time. Then after that, it comes down to the actual working on the thesis. The most important part, of course, is reading. We uh, oftentimes, they meet with their advisors and their advisors give them areas that they should look into, questions to ask or reflect on, or some authors to uh, turn to. As they read, hopefully they're able to come up with the definitions. Uh, some of us think that the definitions is the most important part of the thesis. Others think it's the principles, but the definitions themselves are very important. And through all their reading and discussions with their uh, fellow classmates, with their advisors, and with, you know, the great books of the Western heritage, they come to a deeper understanding of what these definitions and principles are. Then over time, they have their ideas, they have their arguments, and they have their definitions, and then it comes down to actually writing the thesis. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about how, that, how the thesis paper is structured, because it, it's very prescriptive. Yes, yeah, so the thesis structure is a little different than probably what most people think of when they think of thesis. It's in the form of a disputed question, which is the scholastic method of asking and thinking about questions. 
which as was said is very prescriptive, but is very uh, formulaic. It's ordered in such a way that really you're able to come to a conclusion and you've looked at all sides of the question. That if you go work through this disputed question, you're gonna have an opinion and you're gonna have defended it. And so the order of the thesis is, the actual paper itself begins with the introduction, which I think is so interesting because it's the time that the student reflects, why is this question interesting to me? At the end of the introduction, they give their thesis statement, or what I oftentimes refer to as the I say statement. Because at the end of the introduction, they say, in no uncertain terms, this is my position. And so then after that, instead of moving on immediately to proving our position, the students move on to give objections to their position. They give three positions that are opposed to them. And that these objections really force the student to think, why is what I'm saying, what I'm trying to prove the truth? And these objections are, why are they not the truth? What, where is the flaw? It's oftentimes by arguing against other people, by taking a stance against other positions, that we begin to have a deeper understanding of what we mean. After the three objections, we come down to the said contra which is a citation from authority that backs up your position. We cite that as a, almost a flagship, like a flagpole, like we're planning our flag, that this is true, this person says it's true, now let's prove it. Because then you move into the syllogism, the major syllogism, which is your proof. You, I'm not gonna really get into what a syllogism is, but basically use two principles to prove a conclusion, and that conclusion is going to be your stance. And then from there you move into what is considered to be the most difficult part of the work, which is the definitions, backing up your principles. There's a, uh, a paragraph immediately after, or in the section immediately after the major syllogism, you give your definitions and you give arguments for them sometimes, depending on how uh, difficult they are. Then you move on to explaining, here's what my principles mean, and here is why I believe that these are true. You give arguments for them. And from there, after you have done all that work, proving your principles, talking about your definitions, you then are able to defend yourself against the objections. You respond to the objections and explain here is why this objector was wrong, here is where they kind of strayed from the truth, and finally they wrap it all up in a nice conclusion. You've said a lot of great things about the thesis process, Mr. Murray, but one thing I'd like to add to the advisor like aspect, which I think is really a, it's just part of, it's one of the best things about being a teacher and it is, is being a thesis advisor. It's, it's really, really rewarding and pretty special, partially because you get all of the benefit without any of the work. <laughs> um, because as an, as an advisor, and different people have different styles, but what I do it almost as my role to do is to help them think through the problem by kind of just poking holes in what they suggest. So oftentimes students will come and they'll be like, I figured it out. Oftentimes day one, they're like, this is how it is. Um, I know, I know it basically I'm ready to kind of write my paper and then you ask them a few questions and they're like, Oh my goodness, I don't know anything. And it's like, great. That's what I'm here for. And honestly, it's not my job to give them the answers. It's just my job to ask them the questions. And I think that that's, what's really, really special about it is as they come with, they keep coming and they'll be like, I've figured out my definition finally of, you know, freedom or whatever. And you say, okay, great. Let's read it. And you take a look and you're like, well, you haven't accounted for this. And they're like, Oh my goodness, I do need to think about and, and you're like, great, do you have any thoughts yet? And they're like, oh man, I, I'll come back next week. And then next week, they, they're like, I got freedom figured out. You take a look, you're like, you got it. This is great, but now what about blah, blah, blah. And, and it's just like piece by piece, um, just asking hard questions and then letting them figure out their own answers. One of the things that's great about it is like an advisor might have an interest in that field, but it, it doesn't mean that you like know exactly what they should say or you have something you want them to say. It just means... I like this kind of question and I'm going to be good at making sure that they've thought about all the options. It doesn't mean like I know where they should look, what they should, 
you know, who they should cite. You actually don't have to have any of that figured out. You just have to be willing to kind of grapple with them on the hard questions. Yeah. And just to kind of piggyback over off of what Mr. Hudson was saying, um, you know, going through that process with your advisor when they're saying, you know, what about this? What about that? And you're like, Oh dear. Huh? Okay. All these things I haven't considered. I mean, that, that really helps you um, gain an appreciation for all the things that you've been reading and discussing and, you know, the, the, uh, all the hard work of people who've gone before you thinking about this stuff, you, you realize, wow, you know, this, this is difficult. This is not just a matter of, well, this sounds good to me and I'll just write it down and now we're done. It's, it's not like that. And, and it's, I, think, I think that's one of the things that makes it a really, really good sort of training for, for engaging with the, with the world. Um, because, you know, there's, there's any number of people out there with any number of positions, being able to engage with them and really think carefully and see what it means to have thought something through carefully. I think that is, extremely valuable experience for them. That's true. It's interesting sometimes when students, sometimes the hardest part of the paper is coming up with good objections to your position because your own position seems so clear and obvious and you can't just set up straw men because then your whole, it just weakens your whole argument. So it's interesting watching students. Um, I think we had a couple, at least one that I'm thinking of this year that did a really good job. Like the answer to their question seemed so obvious that I was like, gosh, how are you going to come up with strong objections to your position because your position seems so obvious? And then they got really creative with the objections, you know? So what I love about the structure of the thesis is in the structure of the disputed question is that you start by setting up your opponent in the, in the best position that you possibly can. And so it takes the audience on this great roller coaster ride of like, oh man, you just set up some really good objections. How are you going to demolish those? Um, and that's such a beautiful fruit of the conversations with the, um, with the advisor and with other classmates as well. Yeah. And just to continue that thought, you know, um, that, that what you were just saying about how, you start with those really strong objections. Like that's so important because, you know, if you think of the way, you know, just discourse maybe in the modern world, maybe Twitter or just, you know, wherever, very often the, the goal seems to be something like, how do I make my opponent look really silly? And you're, you're ridiculous. Ha ha. I don't need to pay attention to you. But that in the disputed question, no, the, the, the goal is the exact opposite here. You want to show what are your opponent's very best strong objections so you can show that those don't work. And that just, you know, builds up your own position. Um, it shows the strength of your own arguments once you've done that. So let's move into talking about how you go about writing a question. What is it that makes a good question? And, and how do you kind of, I guess we've touched a little bit on how we put together a good argument, but, but what makes a good question? Because I, I was thinking about this actually when Mr. Murray was saying about the said contra. It's, it's such a fine line because occasionally, rarely, but it can happen that a student will ask a question and they'll start work and then they'll realize, oh, this has already been answered. <laughs> and then they need to maybe tweak their question or something like that because you need to find a said contra that supports your position without definitively answering your question. Otherwise, what's the point of you asking the question? So um, I think Mr. Hodgson has some thoughts about how, how do you choose a good question? Yeah, thank you. This is, this is part of the beauty of thesis. And that's that I think we need to start with letting them ask whatever they are most passionate about. It's really easy, for, like for me to just, I could make a list of what I call good questions, right? Or, or, and so could anyone basically. But as soon as I hand that to a student and say, here's your question, like it's going to be terrible, right? It's, it's not going to work out well. Um, and I think step one for finding a good question is it hits on what Mr. Murray said earlier. And that's letting the students mull over something 
for a while first. Um, I find myself in medieval seminar all the time, which is a 10th grade class. Oftentimes when they're asking these deep philosophical questions, when we're reading Augustine and talking about evil or something like this, if they ask something that's not really within the scope of the class and is challenging, sometimes I'll say, write that down. Like that's a good thesis question. And I think that that's really important is as students already are in freshman year, 10th grade year, and they're starting to think, you know, next year I have to do a thesis. It's really daunting at first to think what, what in the world do I want to talk for 10 pages about? Um, but the most important thing is if you find something that you're interested in, if you find something that you want to talk about, um, whether for some that's in this, you know, the scope of like, they want to just talk about whether entertainment is good. Like sometimes people have said, you know, certain questions about, I don't know, something like, can I play video games or like these things that sound maybe unimportant. Um, but when you delve into it a bit, you're actually, you are getting at a, an interesting moral principle. And so I think find what you're passionate about. That's, that's step number one. And then get, hitting out what you guys have said already is there is something beautiful about a question, which when you hear it, you think, Oh man, like that, that's what I love is you hear the question and you're like, what are they going to say? Because when we get this, um, the, like we, we make the decision between three options or whatever for each student and you read the question and then underneath that, they say the gist of what they think basically so that you can kind of get a sense, what are they going to argue for? How might they argue it? And when you read the question and you haven't looked at anything else yet and you're like, Oh man, like, what are they going to say? That's when I, I think that you have really some good potential for thesis material because that shows that you could argue either way it could really go either way. Now, not every question could go either way in the sense that, you know, sometimes you might ask a really complex theological question or philosophical that um, in some ways is, is solved. Like, it's not like done for you. Here's the book by Thomas Aquinas or whatever. Here's, here's Aristotle exactly. Please just copy paste. Like, obviously not in that sense. But there are some times where basically if you try to argue a certain position on this, you are going to have such a bad time that you basically should never try to argue that. I don't want to get too into certain examples, but like if I um, am talking about like what man is and all of a sudden I'm, I'm using these like certain definitions of man, which maybe rely completely on modernism and uh, like reject basically everything that we, we know to be true already, you're going to have a really hard time to prove that well, because it's, it's not true. Um, and so definitely I'm not saying that every single thesis question needs to be a big question mark. Like, wow, like they can answer it however they want. But a good question does tend to be something where you're like, I really am not sure. Either like sometimes it's something that's maybe a bit more obscure. Like it's not the kind of thing you would have learned in CCD or, or something like that. And there, maybe there is an answer in the church in some way, but it's not in the sense that is like, this is definitive. This is seventh grade stuff. If you don't know this, you have a problem. It's instead stuff like, I've really never thought about the wills of Christ. Like I, once we're diving into this, like we, we really, even though it has been treated on in some ways, I am still carving some new territory. So I think it shouldn't have been solved, but it, that doesn't mean it, you haven't had people before you asking this type of question or maybe in similar ways. But I think another thing that's really important is that it's not easy. This can be my biggest frustration sometimes with students is imagine that you're a ninth grader, a 10th grader, and you're starting to think about your thesis and you imagine, oh man, if I can just act, like set up a softball question, I'll just knock it out of the park. I'll get a great grade. But that actually is, that's a key for failure. That, like that's, that's setting yourself up not for success because the easier question you ask, the harder it is to really prove it well and to take the time that you need. Um, if, it's, if it's something that's like 
simple, like, uh, let me just like wash my hands and, and I, I just like type up this paper and, and it's done. That not only will not be interesting, but it's, it's really not going to be a good thesis. Getting students to really challenge themselves and ask, and ask these challenging questions, it, I find it to be much, much more, they're, they're much more successful if they're willing to ask these hard questions. I, I find it is best when, like, as you suggested, Ms. Morris, when a student um, comes into you and they're like, I, here's what I kind of wanted to ask, but I, I, the more research I do, the more I'm unsure what I even want to say or how I want to say it. That's a good, that's a good sign. It means like they, they didn't think it was solvable like, like that lickety split. They, they actually have to think about it maybe for hours. Like, I, I mean, I don't know exactly what some of these students do, but I'm imagining like, ideally it's 10 o'clock. They're trying to go to bed and they can't get the idea of freedom out of their mind. And they're just trying to figure out what even is freedom and how am I going to prove that it says what I'm saying or what do I even want to say? So the harder in some sense is the better. Now, with that being said, uh, I think it's important to remember that junior theses and senior theses are different and there's different levels of uh, difficulty there. So there is like a natural like leveling between the year. And so in some ways, there are some years where we would say, this is, this student wants to ask this question, but that is a junior thesis question. Like, that's not a good senior thesis question. And therefore, they should not get that. Um, or vice versa, like maybe a student is saying they want to ask a question that's like, it's a bit too much. It's too much. Like they, it might be very hard. It might be an awesome question. And it's like that, they, they should ask that next year. Like we need to remind them about this for next year. But this year is not, it's not the time. They're not ready. And so it's not like, you have to find this delicate balance. Like you don't set yourself up, up an easy, like um, T-ball, like tee it off the, the home run or whatever. But it's also not like, throw me the fastest pitch you can, like that kind of thing. There is like finding this like delicate balance that changes not only between year junior and senior, but also between the students. I already said that it matters whether the person is passionate about it, but also some questions are, are more complex than others. And some students can, can really knock a certain thing out of the park that would be like too hard even for like me, you know what I mean? Like it's not our job to try to like satisfy ourselves with interesting questions. It's our job to set these students up for success with questions that they can answer and answer well using arguments that are grounded in, in the principles. Oh, and one last thing, I, it doesn't mean that other people, even other students haven't tackled it in some way too. I think that that can be really interest, interesting when students are saying like, look, I wanna ask this question. And then I say, I don't think that'll get, uh, that'll get approved because somebody two years ago asked almost that exact question. And they say, but I want to say the, the opposite. Like I think completely differently than they do. And I have different reasons. Then it's like, well, maybe it might be worthwhile to bring up. Like maybe that could be a good thesis question um, because you're going to use a new perspective on it and maybe argue something different, that kind of thing. Wow, that was a lot of thoughts. Thank you. <laughs> Does anybody else have? <laughs> Sorry, I was thinking, I don't have as much to say as Mr. Welsh or Mr. Murray. I'll be really fast. And then I, I wasn't. <laughs> I guess I would want to go back really quick to when he was talking about uh, softball questions. It's quite often that sometimes a student will ask a question thinking it's a softball question and the teachers are more than happy to give it to them because we see this question and know, oh, there's a lot of depth to it. There's a lot of murky waters that maybe this person doesn't know about. And it's really fun to see a student who asks this question at first thinking, oh, this is going to be easy, suddenly walk in and realize, oh, this question is a lot harder than I thought, but more importantly, it's a lot more interesting than they thought. So it's really fun to see them sort of move into that realm of, oh, this question's really interesting now. And something that we like to see too as time goes on is between the junior and senior theses, as uh, Mr. Hudson said, there is a little bit of difference. The form isn't any different, but what we really like to see is that as the student progresses in their academic career, they're able to tackle more and more difficult questions. And in particular, 
more abstract questions. And it's really fun to see students do that. And this sort of connects back to something I think that uh, I believe that Mr. Hodgson was saying. So we were talking about how one of the one of the really good, great things about uh, advising the theses, of course, is that you're you know the, the students all know that this is going to be happening at the at the end of their three or four years, and so they're thinking about it as they're going through freshman and sophomore year and then the beginning of the year. And so, and of course, yeah, many times, how many times have I told students, okay, that's that's a really interesting question. Um, maybe a little more than we can cover right now, but it's a great thesis question. Write it down. Um, that experience and having that happen over and over and over again, and just having the students become habituated to find those super interesting questions, I think that's also really, really good practice for them because that's something that we want them to do. Of course, school is a very natural, I mean, especially when you're reading all these great things, it's really not full time and place to do it. But, but that habit, we want them to continue that habit of, of looking deeply into things and having a sense of wonder and a sense of, hmm, like, what is going on here? Like, how do, how do we figure this out? It's, it's not like everything is solved. We know how everything works. It's, there's, there's always more to learn. And that, you know, as they, as they go through and, they, and then they, dig, they, they take their, their theses, junior and senior, they dive into them and they, they realize and they come back to the surface like, oh, wow, there's so much going on. This, this was a lot more interesting, a lot more detailed than I thought it was. And like, what, I wonder what's in the next, what's in the next adventure? Uh, or what's in the next great question that I find? And so hopefully, you know, they, they continue this kind of inquiry as they go on. But, you know, and also just to realize that, you know, they're just starting here. You know, this, this is the beginning of that journey. It's not the, we, you know, we don't expect, you know, graduates uh, from high school, you know, we, they don't know everything. And neither do graduates from college or, or, you know, people have done graduate work. It's, there's always another step. There's always more to, to look into. Just to build off that a little bit, I think one of the things I love so much about thesis is that it, even though it's so fruitful and intense for the juniors and seniors who are doing it, it's like the best time of the year for the entire upper school. Everyone loves it. And just to speak to that value of uh, like the art of conversation, I think that thesis is something which just we're, through which we're able to teach students or form them in the art of conversation almost without even trying because this, the students who are writing and defending the theses do so in a way that's interesting and compelling to the students. And then normally when we're not in quarantine, those conversations spill over for days and weeks at the lunch table. And the students are, they just come up with so many interesting questions. So it's really like the defense is kind of just the beginning in a lot of ways of the, uh, the thesis because uh, it just filters through the entire school and kids remember like, oh, remember, you know, that question three years ago and so-and-so asked this question and they, they remember and they learn how to just talk with each other, like philosophize with each other. Um, and it's because they've gra all their arguments are grounded in principles. So it's like this common meeting ground that everybody can, um, can, can meet at and, um, and begin the discussion from those principles. And so it's just so fun to see, to see that life um, be breathed into the school through the thesis. And all we do is tell the kids to do this work. We don't, it's, it's like totally passive income, you could say. So a lot of work goes into it beforehand. So whenever a thesis week rolls around, the week where we have all the defenses, I'm always, I'm always a little afraid of it because I've been working with the seniors and the juniors for maybe three months at this point, asking them questions, oftentimes asking them the same questions over and over again to get, see their answers. And the greatest joy for me in thesis season, thesis week, is when someone, a teacher or a panelist, asks a student a question that I know they've been struggling with for the past entire time they look at the question. And suddenly the student just is able to answer them in such a succinct and philosophical way 
it's amazing. It's just amazing to see the fruit of the work that they put in. Yeah. And something that I really like kind of almost opposite to what Mr. Murray is saying, because I don't teach composition. So the only students theses that I get a chance to see are my, my own advisees. And it's, that's something that's so exciting about thesis too, is it's like electric, you know, like the first time that the students are hearing these thesis is like, as it's being read to them. Um, and for me, like I, like you, you read it like, you know, as it's happening or right before. And so you're, you're getting it for the first time as they're doing it. So you get the complete thing, all of their thought all at once. And you can see how much thought they put into it. But you can also, you know, what I love doing is, again, picking the holes and kind of seeing, like, looking at their thought and looking at it from all these perspectives and asking questions. And so it's really fun to start to get to be kind of the person who, as a teacher, gets to ask questions and start to think, like, well, have they considered this? Because I have no idea. Like, I, unless they were my advisee, I don't know if anyone has asked this question before. And that's what's really fun as well, to kind of point out, like, well, you said this in your said contra, but it seems like, your obje- you know, in your reply to your objections, you said this. And that, that can be really fun as well. Maybe you covered this or you will cover this in another episode, but one thing that I really love is that the other students get to ask questions too. Um, I think that that's, again, for me, asking questions is one of my favorite parts. And like, you know, you have these 10th grade students that haven't written a thesis yet, or maybe even middle schoolers, and they're the ones that are like really curious. They want to know what you think about this. And so they're also like kind of trying their hat at asking questions. And that that's like, it's really fun to watch, especially when you see really good questions asked. Yeah. I agree. That is so, that is really fun to see. Oh, well, I think one thing is I would just be curious to know if there's any other schools out there that do the same thing or something similar. If you're out there listening to us, send us an email, theoutpostak at gmail.com. Tell us how you do thesis. Um, And I also think that this, um, if there is another school that wanted, thought this was interesting and wanted to do it um, like on a on a whole school level or even just as a class or something like that, I think I would say it's not too difficult to implement. I mean, you teach a little bit of logic and then just a lot of learning how to dissect some of these ancient texts and stuff. And then you can do it and you teach so many different, um, so many different skills throughout this whole process that it's totally worth it. Um, Yeah. I would warn people though, like we, as Mr. Murray was saying, we direct a lot of time and attention, like teacher time and attention into it. There's a lot of dedicated time to defending the thesis well, to having time for reading during class. So if you were going to implement this, you would also have to be prepared to implement, you know, a a significant amount of time as well. Right. Yes, that is true. I guess it doesn't come in a neat little package. Um, It does take dedicated time. And um, yeah, and then the, the teachers being willing to serve as advisees and stuff. And it definitely is something that's worth doing well if you're going to do it. Because um, bad theses are really painful. And then <laughs> you have to assign grades at the end. And that's, that's not fun, especially if you feel that you haven't, you realize you haven't given the students everything that they need to succeed. So, so yeah, I guess we have the benefit of having stepped into the school where this was already happening. So I'd be curious to know, um, it'd be interesting to hear more about how it got started and you know, how you can implement it. To ask Mrs. Skirta next time. Yeah, we'll, we'll have her on the podcast. Um, all right. Well, if there's no more thoughts, we can sign off. Thank you so much for your thoughts about thesis. And we have some super, we have some super exciting episodes featuring students uh, presenting on their theses coming up, along with student questions in the theses. So we kind of have some, like a second round of defense <laughs> coming up on the next episodes. So thank you. Thank you, Kayleen. Thanks for putting this together. Thank you so much. Bye.